Welcome back to Sports Town Lines, the most authentic place in sports. This is a podcast exclusive or YouTube as well. I think just podcast. How about that? Podcast. Sure. But Warner's not responding to me. So podcast. Uh, this is a podcast exclusive episode because we are talking about something that's very important to, I feel, all three of us. And speaking of which, I might as well introduce our guest and Warner. You got to try and some Pat McAfee antics. Uh, coming up, our guest. He is a man who has his own web show basically it's talking about misinformation and helping people get ready for the election and he's also a mental health advocate ladies and gentlemen malik mercier did i do that right yes you did hi yeah <laughs> good job warner make it up for six different people you guys thank, are you for thank you for joining us now i'm excited to be here thank you for having me yeah um so Let's get right into it. But first, before we talk more about the mental health piece, can you like uh, share your show with our audience, like what, what you do and what's it about? Yeah, so that's kind of how we got connected through PBS. And so I was over the summer working with PBS Boston, which is at GBH um, on socials. And they were like WGBH, but they're recently like gone through this whole thing to go beyond broadcast. So they're like working on digital stuff. And so um, my show, Internet Expert, was a part of that sort of push to do digital work. And so it was YouTube native, um, it was on IGTV, and we were just focusing on young people and getting them ready for the election, like our generation, just sort of pushing us towards getting involved in democracy and doing it in ways that aren't, I guess, the, just the way that, you know, we that people think like it's only voting, getting more involved, going on government websites, which by the way, everyone thinks are super boring, um, but we made it a game show, so it would be fun. Um, and we had contestants and challenges and young elected leaders, um, someone who wants to be, you know, the next president or a future president, Deja Fox, who's in our generation. So um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Well, first shout out to Deja Fox. If we had like a mic drum bomb or whatever, that would be for her, I'm assuming. Um, so really quickly, while we're talking about the election, how important do you think it was for like younger people, like our generation, if you would call it, uh, to vote this election? Yeah, I mean, I think it was really important. I mean, we, the numbers, I don't remember the, what the last, you know, at the end, but I know when I was reporting on it, it sort of in the middle, the numbers were higher um, than in the past. I think higher than the previous, um, I know overall total, the, the numbers were higher in terms of voter turnout than in the previous election, but even youth voter turnout was just huge in certain key states, um, like I think Texas and there were just other few like key battleground states that young people were able to actually have a huge impact on and had young people not shown up, those results could be very different. And we know that the election was super, super close. Um, it's not like it was like a landslide for anyone in particular. So um, it, it was super important just because young people do have the power to um, change the election. And so I think it's very cool to see so many young people be actively involved, not only just in voting, but in, you know, protesting, in speaking out, in activism, in making um, their voices heard. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, I agree. I think it was also really, really important. But another thing that's kind of been more like, I guess, because everybody's been more, uh, was quarantined, at least for like three months and everybody said, you know what, forget COVID. COVID doesn't matter. Let's go party, whatever. But um, 
mental health, I feel, has been like raised, like the awareness for it this year, along with social justice and obviously voting because this is election year. Um, how important are, do you think like the job? Okay, no, let me reverse that. Start from the beginning. How tough has this been this year been, if you want to talk about yourself personally, or just like people in general? Because I feel it's been like really rough for most people. Yeah, I mean, it It has been. I think this year was a curveball in every sense of the word. Like, um, I don't know, it just still feels so crazy that we're still in this. I have these moments where I look outside and I'm like, it's still a pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, March is still February here. Looks like, February looks like it was three years ago. I don't even remember February. It's crazy. And I mean, for me, I've just been really grateful. And I think that's kind of the thing that is like, kept me going during this time is I haven't, you know, lost a job. Like I've had opportunity during this time. I've been able to do school from home. Um, and I know that so many people have worse situations. And I think that like, I, I've been grateful for that. And also been just speaking of February, like I was traveling in February. I traveled in November of last year. And I know the virus, like they're finding out all these things that it was here way before we even knew. Um, and so it's just crazy. Um, that I like grateful that I didn't get it. My professor got it and I had met with her right before we left for campus and that's oh, when everything happened. And yeah. um, so it, it's just insanity. <laughs> um, so very, very grateful also that I've like kind of made it this whole year COVID free as far as I know. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that, but it's been a, it's been a really hard year in terms of just like you're saying, mental health has been huge. And I remember in the beginning, um, especially because I struggle with OCD and anxiety, just like freaking out about the fact that there were like no cleaning supplies for the first time ever. Like I live in Brooklyn, like that's unheard of. Um, and so there were a lot of weird quirks that made it hard. Um, and then also just like transitioning the entire school to online and just yeah. looking at that and not being able to go outside. It was very, um, not just not the best environment. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Um, one thing that you kind of touched on, well, first off, can you describe, like, for people that don't know, because I think there's a common misconception on what, like, OCD is or whatever. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, so it's obsessive compulsive disorder, and so there are definitely a, a few different types of it. I feel like I might have, like, more types of it than I actually know or more, it, it more, it might infiltrate my life more than I actually realize because I think that's kind of how it is for every mental health or mental illness um and so uh, I have contamination based OCD and so for me it's been like very much you know it, you you basically find something that you're obsessing about and so it could be how clean something is. Um, it could be like, for me, a big issue in the real world, like in the real world, <laughs> we weren't in quarantine, um, was like, you know. What is the real world? Yeah, what, <laughs> what, what is even happening? Um, but no, like was very much like, oh, if I would have to shake someone's hand at an event, um, is their hand clean, right? And then you're, you're maybe calculating and trying to understand how clean their hand might be. And so you're trying to maybe watch everyone in the room to see if they're coughing to see if you know just all of these things literally and you're you're obsessing over it and you're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and then um when you have that interaction now there's the compulsion of wanting to go to the bathroom wash your hands wanting to go use hand sanitizer wanting to you know not touch anything that other people have brought into the room so 
it was, I mean, it's, it's a very crazy. So when people say like, oh, I want my pen this way. I have those, I'm so OCD. <laughs> um, it's very like, you've got to be kidding me because there are people, and I don't even think, I mean, I think especially before quarantine, I had like severe OCD for, at least for me, I think it's very different for everyone. Um, but, you know, I think there are people who have it even worse than, than I've had it in the past and then I have it now. So, um, it's it's quite insane and so i think that thank you for bringing that up the misconceptions because i think that's important. yeah yeah 100 percent um how do you think that the pandemic has necessarily affected you think it's it's major ocd um less less prevalent since it's almost unavoidable the the germs and the air that we're spraying out of our mouths even as we talk um that was kind of a gross way to say that but coming through the computer um, or, or do you think do you think it's been worse um knowing that and, 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 you know, having wearing masks and everything, do you think it's made your OCD worse um, in that department? I think overall the pandemic has made it better. Um, and I think because I had therapy for like a year leading up to the pandemic before, like it was kind of, I guess, went through the, before I came back to school. So I went back to school in the fall mm-hmm. of 2019. And so I had therapy for like a year before that. So I had a lot of, I guess, like learning and lessons and um, starting to understand OCD a little bit more. And one of the things that my therapist would say is that, you know, you, what you need to understand is that there are like all of these germs don't, aren't trying to like kill you or like, you know, there are bad germs. Yeah. Like there are bad germs. There are good germs. There aren't, um, it, it isn't this, this one way of seeing things that all of the germs are terrible. Um, and that you can interact with some germs and that that is fine. Um, and so I think going into, before that, I didn't understand that, right? For me, it was just like, it doesn't matter. They're all germs. <laughs> and I think once COVID came into the, the space, it was like, oh, that's a bad germ. Like yeah. that is something that yeah. I should be like actively afraid of um, versus, you know, a random cold or, or some, I don't know, whatever other germs are out there. Um, and so I think it's made it better in that I first off had to, what, what we do in therapy is called exposure therapy. And so um, what you'll have to do is like touch something that you think is dirty. Um, and so I worked on like for the year before that, touching the train hand bar, handlebars, touching, you know, in New York, there's a ton of dirty things to touch. So um, <laughs> pretty much a anything. lot of common misconceptions so, about New York. I haven't yeah. been there, but so so touching the train, touching you know anything that I just thought was disgusting and tried to avoid touching. And so what exposure? I went into like intense. I would say exposure therapy just because there was literally no way I could clean anything when I ran out of cleaning supplies and there was nothing here in March. And mm-hmm. so that really pushed me into this space of having to go full exposure for days and then weeks, um, which calmed me down a lot more than not having hand sanitizer, not being able to. I think that part of the pandemic, if I didn't have that, I would still be possibly in severe, severe. So really quickly, because I have a couple of more things to elaborate on that, but how did you get, like, how did you manage, because I think me and Warner could also like talk about this as well, how did you like get through like March to December, at least at least March, so I say maybe July, where it's like very strict COVID and now it's just like, everybody's like, hey, you know what, screw it, lean back. Uh, it doesn't matter, a lot more leaning. But how would you say you got through at least the first couple of months of COVID? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of, it very much felt in the beginning like we were in this together in some way. Um, and and that was very much being pushed. I, I'm not sure how much I bought it because I'm skeptical of just <laughs> journalism. I'm kind of skeptical. Um, but I think it, it did definitely seemed like we were a little bit more like, you know, in this, like this was happening to everyone. And I think the only thing that, you know, being in New York, there was this talk of this like mass exodus of people leaving. So that was the only thing that was like, you know, oh, like if I could afford to go to the Hamptons right now, or oh, if I could afford to go to my <laughs> property in like, you know, a different state where there's just like nothing. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the only thing that was like, oh, like that's the unequal thing. But other than that, we're good. And so I think knowing that everyone else was going through it and knowing that, you know, I wasn't in the ICU, like we heard ambulances in Brooklyn, you know, going by all the time. So it wasn't, it, it was very much, you know, and even in school and classes, we were kind of having the opportunity to talk about it a little bit just because it was so insane. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that all of that helped. Um, and then just trying to, I, I don't know if there was like a specific, I mean, trying to breathe, trying to, I, I got more focused into like, I mean, I definitely don't meditate every day, but got to do more of that, got to do more exercising, got to do more yoga than I, than I would do in a normal year. Yeah. So um, even though that's, even if that's only a few times, we definitely worked out way more, like got focused on that. So um, I think get finding all these little things that I could do was, was very much helpful. Now, I think now it's actually a little bit crazier just because we're not all in the same, on the same page anymore. It's kind yeah. of like, whatever. Yeah. Um, this might be, this may sound like terrible, but hashtag thank you, COVID, because um, like we've done this, we, we've been able to record a lot more yeah. due to COVID. So, I mean, I think this virus has really um, kind of reset everybody. It's center, it made, it made everybody kind of um, hone in on, you know, their situation and, and um, their everyday life instead of rushing about to a job and to uh, home, then to restaurant, then, you know, if you have kids, pick up the kids, uh, et cetera, et cetera, do homework, um, get to bed at a reasonable time so that you can do it all the next day and not be absolutely exhausted, so. Yeah, um, and to touch on what you said, like, you kind of felt like we were all together at first. Now it feels like it's like, huh, okay, who cares? 50,000 more people got COVID today. Like, who cares? Wear your mask. Like, wear your mask like who, who cares at this point like that's kind of what it feels like at this point in COVID um how tough if tough it all has like COVID like and having to work COVID in school and those two working together this weird experience which I like I talked to my dad's like we're both seniors in high school me and Warner mm -hmm. and also like, my daddy has like I, he said I couldn't imagine if I were you know like applying to schools and not being able to visit schools or whatever like that guy did not going to talk about that but no, how, how tough is like COVID and schooling been for you? Yeah, I know. I think Sean and Warner, I, I feel for both of you because I couldn't imagine doing this either. I've talked with a few people that are in your position that are interested in my school, Ithaca, and it's just, I don't know how, it's insane. It's just like, how do you figure out your next step? I feel like also they expect you to do that at such a young age anyway, which in a normal year is stressful. So um Feel for both of you and let me know if I can help at all but um but yeah no I mean for me it's been 
it's been fine other than the fact that they give too much work i think I, it, there have been moments where i've been able to like get in the zone in a way that i don't think would happen without this whole pandemic and in a way again it's so weird i feel so bad saying like thank you COVID. <laughs> right. but it's i i really do believe it's this, this year and this moment has brought some good things um that just wouldn't have happened without it um and i think that's on a you know everyone's scale too even with you know the fight for racial justice that got invigorated i think you know just without this whole moment coming together i don't know that any of that would have happened so um so yeah but I, i mean yeah just being able to get in the zone and do the work i think that it's only the only thing is that online school I don't think is normally like this where you meet on zoom and then you still have homework and then you still have projects and still have group meetings and then come back to class in a day or two or whatever it is I I don't think that's how online school is supposed to work (laughs) (laughs) I think online school is supposed to be like you either watch a video where you're given the assignment or given the reading and then you just do it um you know where's that at (laughs) Like, I just don't understand why, I mean, especially with final projects and stuff, because it's finals week now for me, and like, all of this time leading up to it, this, these projects could have been done if we just canceled class and gave <laughs> the opportunity to like, do it and stop assigning like, work and stuff. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, I only have one teacher who's been asynchronous, but even that work has seemed at times overwhelming, just because not every professor is kind of doing their own thing, right? Some oh. are asynchronous, some are on zoom some are you know just it's just kind of all over the place and not uniform so yeah so I think that's been the challenge um yeah and and figuring out how to manage all of that because I find myself being on the computer so much and it's just like I I think that part of it has been unhealthy yeah uh Warner could probably share some of his experiences too like for example me my aunt is in is a teacher my uh grandma's a uh, principal so I feel for teachers like this is a really stressful time for them but yeah like you pointed it out like it feels like every teacher is doing like their own thing like one teacher will do google me one teacher will do zoom one teacher like my first two classes which is a college course um she basically just gives us directions and grants the class so it's kind of straightforward but she gives us the directions and we go do the assignment and we go off the class and just get it done Whereas it's another class where I'm in the class for two hours, just taking notes, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Oh, it feels like it's not, like you pointed out, it's not really uniform. Warner, you have any it's, that? It's, it's really stressful for the teachers too. My dad's a principal and uh, my mom's a minister. She she goes, um, she teaches little kids and um, everyone up to sixth grade. So I know they have both been really stressed and having to reopen um, their schools and spaces um and and getting you know proper measures we there has to be a, a limit on how many people you can have there you have to in <laughs> in my mom's case you have to make sure all the little four-year-olds and five-year-olds are wearing their mask and and um and having clean hands so uh, it's it's definitely a lot for them uh but you know i i think the mon- but the monotony will um soon soon be be over but then in a way resume and we'll, we'll get back into a, a flow of things a rhythm and a pattern yeah, hopefully. Now, I want to go back to something you previously said. You were talking about therapy and like mental health and stuff like that. And I said this in our pre-interview meeting or whatever, that I feel that and this may be controversial, hashtag don't cancel Sean. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Black people have like the, like have the most mental health issues. 
but we just don't address it or talk about it at all. Like for me personally, I feel like I may have like at least a slight depression. I'll just get really, I don't get mad. I'll get really, really irritated um, with certain things, right? But I don't, like, I'll probably just, talk, I'll probably, if I want to talk about it, I'll probably tell him or, like, somebody in our group chat, and our team group chat. But besides that, I don't tell nobody things. And so, like, what do you think, or why do you think the reasoning is that if you, if you believe, if you agree with what I'm saying, or if you disagree with what I'm saying, that Black people kind of have the most, like, mental health, if it's, like, race, 200-plus-year race, social race, blah, you get what I'm saying. Well, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, I think minorities in general don't have conversations about this stuff. And I think that that is what leads to just first off the like their stigma and then there's leads to not talking about it and then it leads to not getting help. And that leads to the issue just getting worse. Um, And I think a lot of the times and I think that's not only I think that it's a youth problem too in general in that you know parents kind of want to protect young people and so like they're like oh you know you're fine or they don't want to believe that something's wrong with their child and I think that that you know stretches across everyone but then I think when it comes to you know black people there's just you know I'm a sociology major um, and a journalism major and so we've been you know talking about W.E.B. Du Bois who is this black sociologist who's really like you know championed Black people and kind of like helped explain a lot of this stuff. And I think one of the things he talks about is like the two-ness of having to be, having to live multiple identities, having to be Black, having to be American, having to, you know, it's just this, there are all of these different things and all of these different, and it's all mental in a way, right? It's all happening inside your head as well that you, you, you have to live up to all of these different identities and expectations. Um, And the, I think, feeling the lack of safety also with, you know, now we're talking about the COVID vaccine and there are a lot of Black people that are like, no way, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think that lack of trust with the medical community with, you know, and and it's real stuff that dates back, you know, it's not like this is out of nowhere. So I think this is new folks. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like, you know, it's, it is very real, the lack of trust. And then also, I think there, I don't even, I mean, maybe I've seen one on Instagram or something, but I don't even really know black therapists, right? I I don't (laughs) know, are there, you know, like not, definitely not at my college. Like, I think, I think we've, I think they did have someone and then maybe they left and maybe they've tried to recruit or something. So I don't want to say that there aren't any, but yeah. Or whatever, like in my experience, I not at my school or at my when I was doing therapy, I don't think I ever saw a black therapist in the building come out to get someone. Um, and so I, I don't again, it's kind of like bridging, you know, the divide there, but I think that there has to be more more of that, right? There has to be more not and it also has to start at a younger age it can't be that you get to high school and then you're depressed and like you're also doing college applications and then you're anxious and all this stuff and now all of a sudden everything vomits out of you right and I think that's what leads to you know worse things happening to people self-harm yeah um and beyond and so it's just I, I think that I think it is real I think it is real that black communities just don't talk about it and you know the also the idea I'll just say that you have food, you have a roof over your head, how could you possibly be depressed, right? <laughs> how could you possibly be like- Like what you gotta be sad about, like- <laughs> Exactly, and so I think that, you know, that also plays a plays a role into it. So 
it's because of the past of you know black people having to fight so hard it's just like if you have so much like you have google how could you <laughs> like figure it out um so it's so i think just like i don't know what the solution is but i think it's a real thing and i think that a lot of work needs to be done to to fix that yeah um how would you, how did you like well okay crap let me reword the question what point did you like realize hey maybe it's time for me to go talk to somebody and potentially like, get this stuff figured out because you mentioned like you had a year of therapy which really like helped you like adjust I guess like be able when COVID hit like oh okay I, I I think I can handle this when did you realize you needed to go talk to somebody yeah I was doing um I was volunteering at the airport in high school which was very very great <laughs> sitting there with clean stuff at those airports <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, those are nice and shiny <laughs> right so um yeah, job idea. <laughs> I love flying and I love like the airport and I love aviation it's so weird because now it's like like an airport's the last place anyone wants <laughs> to be um and before that the airport was the last place anyone wanted to be really you know people would go oh, my flight's delayed it's canceled oh I hate this um so I always loved flying I I'm a student pilot, I'm learning to fly and doing all of this like weird stuff. And I just think, I don't know, I think flight attendants are so cool. I just think the whole thing is the best thing ever. So I was doing aviation news reporting in high school and then um, with airlinegeeks.com and then got to um, volunteer at the airport. And so with Traveler's Aid, and so they're like a really cool, um, you know, agency at different places across the country. And so they have, you know, what I did there was basically like help people get to, they flew in from Korea and I hide. <laughs> like, you know, here's how to get to Times Square. If, you know, if you're trying to go see something or here's how to, you know, get to your hotel. Um, here's how to get to your flight, all of that. So um, that's a crazy thing, especially in New York because of the history of 9-11 here, you know, there are, you know, very much concerns that anything could happen, right? You have to kind of be looking for that too. And so I, and then also just, it was, you know, when Trump had signed the Muslim ban, there was this whole, the airport became a protest zone, right? Like there, there were, JFK is kind of crazy. Um, So I, um, I think I was dealing with a lot and I think that came through to my supervisor there and she kind of was the one who, nudged me in the right direction of just like don't be afraid to talk to someone or just don't um don't be you know afraid it was also a really good check-in place because it was every Saturday morning so after the crazy week of high school um I commuted an hour and a half to high school on the train and bus each day so that was a lot and so just it was very much like a check-in place um and so I think she noticed that and was one of the people who helped nudge me in the right direction and then I I wound up being the one who called um, who told my doctor, because yeah, I spoke to my AP psych teacher, I think, and then she said you'd, you'd have to go to your doctor, and then I went to my doctor, who told me to go to another person, which was the therapist, and then you have to call the insurance, so I did all this stuff, and it took years, right, because it's just not easy, right, they tell, once you go to talk to one person, they tell you to talk to another person. And then they um, send you to another person. Yeah, so it's just like, I don't know, I think it's so hard to get help, especially because, like, high school guidance counselors aren't mental health professionals. They are, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say, I'm not gonna say that. 
I know, I know how you guys if you, talk, if you want to talk to somebody about like mental health don't go to your guidance counselor yes no and it's it's crazy that they're just those people aren't in the schools already um and that there isn't you know a a a direct way to get help. Everyone's just telling you to go to someone else. At least that was my experience. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, and then does your insurance cover this place that your doctor recommends? Like all of this stuff and thank God mine did. And it was once I had called and got everything set up, it was easy, but didn't really have help in doing that. Um, because like, you know, family, like I kind of explained about like parents wanting to protect you and not really thinking there's anything wrong and it being hard to explain, especially if it, you're just sad or you're just, you know, anxious or you're just, you know, want to use hand sanitizer, like, it, like what of a problem is that? But, yeah. um, but it can really affect your life even if people aren't seeing it. So, yeah. Um, before, I ask my next, before I ask my next question, Ronnie, you want to ask anything? Um, yeah, so... I was I was noticing when you were talking um, and you you mentioned something about not trusting journalism anymore. Is that is that based? Is that just because of your um, your experience in kind of revealing fake news and misleading information? Um, or is this kind of an ongoing thing um, that started um, earlier in your life? I find this so funny, by the way. Sorry, Malik, to cut you off. You're a journalist major. You're saying you don't know. Wait, me. what? It- what did I say? Did what did you guys hear me say? You said earlier, like you don't really trust uh, journalism as much. I think, or yeah, I think. Oh no, no, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> uh, maybe I, maybe I mean, like just in terms of trust. Was this on the pre-call or was this just now? No, this was this was uh, earlier on. I said it glancing by. Hmm. I don't remember that. That's so weird. Um, <laughs> no, maybe I misspoke. Um, but like, just about not trusting journalism. No, I, I think I think like Warner was saying. I think you were saying it in the context of like fake news potentially coming out. I think that's what I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the very very beginning, um, you you were talking about um, kind of how it's it's OCD is is misrepresented in today. Oh and then, yeah. Um, reporting on it, and then you said, but I don't really uh, trust j- j- uh, journalism anyways, or um, and. I don't really like journalists anyway. No, I didn't mean to say that. I don't. I, <laughs> I definitely did not mean to say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, no, I totally misspoke. I, I, I mean, I do think that it's it's misrepresented in terms of just everyday conversation. I do also. I mean, I don't think the media covers mental health enough anyways to even get it wrong (laughs) I think you'd have to actually do it um so yeah I don't think that there's enough conversation in general to um yeah to even make a comment on how they do it I think that um I know I've seen something from Vice on it I think people letting people tell their own stories about it is really helpful just because it's it's such a like individual thing. I think this idea that OCD can be a one-size-fits-all or anxiety can be a one-size-fits-all is is just not real. Um, and then I think one last thing will be that Ginger Z recently said that like the stigma part, and I hope I'm getting this right, that the stigma part is more like it's not gone because although it's acceptable now to say you have OCD, there's not acceptance for the way that will manifest in public or the way that will, you know, show up. 
And so I, I think the actual like things that someone might do if you have schizophrenia, if you have any mental illness, right, aren't as talked about. It's just fine to say you're depressed. But then when you like, I guess, are super sad and miss a meeting, people are like, you missed a meeting, right? There's, they're not like, oh, you're depressed. We accept that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think, I think we do have a long way to go in terms of journalism um, covering mental health. Um, really quickly, before we go over to the second half of the episode, um, how do you think, or how can you think, like, not just Black people, but people in general, like, find uh, the therapist for them, like, go to therapy and, you know, open up and talk about what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's hard because a lot of people say, will say that, you know, it's you've got to find the right therapist for you. I, although... I definitely see what people are talking about. I also have this perspective of like, I don't, it took so much to get to the one therapist that I got from, you know, I'm not going to a like, the idea of like doing that again was, would be like insane to me. Um, so I understand that, you know, kids might not be able to find another therapist or even adults that just don't have money. I think like, I would love to have a therapist on the Upper East Side who has this beautiful office and she takes me in and sits, <laughs> I would do, do anything for that, right? But it's just like, also those places can be really expensive. They might not take your insurance. And so I think maybe just asking, you know, what your insurance takes, the what companies or what therapist clinics they will actually support and maybe asking if there's someone, I think going in saying specifically, like I'm struggling with this, this, and this, allows them to maybe find someone who will, who already specializes in that or already looks at that, which is, which can be really helpful just so that, you know, the person has experience because my therapist, I think I told them what I was struggling with before I even got assigned to a therapist, um, the actual clinic, which is really great because you don't want, I think someone who has no idea, like every therapist is different, has different experience. So, um, so yeah, I guess that would be my, my biggest thing, but don't, unless the therapist is doing something like ethically wrong um, or you just feel like it's completely off, I think that would probably be like a gut feeling. Um, then I guess be, get out of there. But um, <laughs> if it's not like, I don't know if you're just, I, I think therapy can also be really hard. So if it's, you know, yeah. moving you through the motions, I don't think that's a reason to be like, I've got to leave. Like this isn't the right therapist for me. Um, but yeah, don't, I guess just take it one step at a time. All right, so this was part one of today's episode. When we come back, we'll talk about more like how racial justice impacts mental health. We have a controversial video that we're gonna talk about and how like people's perception, like how celebrities aren't people. I'll explain what I mean by that uh, in the second half of the episode. You are listening to the Sports Headlines podcast exclusive episode with Malik Mercier. We'll be right back with part two of today's episode. Today's episode of Sports Headlines is presented by Podgo. What's Podgo? Well, Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. So you're telling me that if I include an ad from Podgo, they're going to tell me up front how much I'll make? Of course. If you apply today, actually, to become a member, you'll be immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Really? So it'll be specified for my show and my type of podcast? Yeah. So all you have to do is go to podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O, 
co co and when you apply make sure you add our podcast sports headlines and the how did you hear about podgo section of the application all right i'll do that as soon as i can yep again that's podgo.co p-o-d-g-o dot c-o let's get back to today's episode whatever all right welcome back this is part two of this episode special podcast exclusive with we have malik mercier uh with us what's up malik what's up all right so we're gonna start the second half of the episode so back in september me and warner covered this uh superstar morning man like that call him superstar star quarterback <laughs> dak prescott of the dallas cowboys quote-unquote america's team he came out and basically said he was having depression because his brother committed suicide take a listen It meant a lot to me. Um, he's part of the reason I am a quarterback. Uh, when I was a little kid, he's the reason uh, that I first started throwing the football. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for me personally. It's been a tough year for my family. It's been a tough year for this, this country and this world, obviously. So um, it's all been tough, but um, you have a, I have a great, great family to, to count on, to lean on. Great supporters here, great teammates, great coaches. Uh, people that helped me get that helped me get through it, um, and, and him as well. I mean, I know that um, I've just been 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 I guess had the obligation to to live on and carry on another legacy. Uh, so now it's just not my mother, but it's my brother as well, and um, I'll continue to do that in, in every walk of my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I've dealt with some weight personally, but everybody in this world has, um, and that's what you have to look at. You have to go into other people's perspectives, um, and so I mean, I think it'd be it'd be crazy to just say that. Um, the, the things that have happened to me personally have, have weighed on me too heavy to make decisions that I need to make um, or important decisions and life decisions that I need to make because um, I simply just look at somebody else and I realize that uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in so many ways that it's not fair to me um, to, count the, to count the things that are going wrong and not count my blessings. Um, so that's just kind of my focus. That's my, that's my standpoint in life. And I mean, I think that's why I carry faith every, every, every bit and every part of my day um, is because uh, I'm always looking forward and I'm always thankful for what I have, even in the midst of, of um, the things that have been taken away from me. Dak would also go on to explain that, uh, I believe in a separate part of this interview, that he was going and battling through depression, which would unfortunately draw Mr. Skip Bayless. And if you guys can't see me, uh, I am, well, you can't see this podcast exclusive. You guys will Malik and Warner see the very sarcastic and frustrated look on my face because this is what Mr. Skip Bayless had to say. Warner, make sure when you share it, you include, uh, it says like uh, share computer sound as well and mute yourself. Do you know what I'm talking about? If not, I'll do it. Warner's not the tech-savvy person of the group. And we cannot hear anything, or at least I can't, so I'll do it. Wait, you, you could hear what happened last time, right, with the other video? Yes. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'll just do it. I know what to do, because Warner's not tech-savvy, and I am. Let's go. Um, but anyway, while I pull that out, what, what are you I guys Okay, never mind. Warner is tech-savvy today, apparently. All right, but yeah, here's what Mr. Skip Bayless had to say. A lot of young men uh -huh. and some older men, and they're all looking to you to be their CEO, to be in charge of the football team. Because of all that, 
I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. And you know and I know this sport that you play, it is dog eat dog. Mm -hmm. It is no compassion, no quarter given on the football field. If if all right, I think I feel like that's enough. We don't need to entertain his crap anymore. But that's basically what what was had or said in the transaction. So first, Malik, let's obviously start with you here. What's your thoughts like what Dak said and and coming out to the public and addressing? Like we just talked about the how important it is for people to share the stories. So what's your thought on what he said and then obviously the complete stupidity of what Skip Bayless said in response? Yeah, I mean it, I think the recognizing like Dak did that this has been such a hard year and that, you know, that openness, that honesty, that vulnerability is so needed, especially from people who are in positions like he is. Um, and I think, I don't know, that was just so, for me, refreshing to hear because I feel like that's, you know, just, it's huge when people are able to just break that wall and be like, you know, I've been having a hard time too, or, um, you know, despite what you see out there on the field, you, I still am human, I still have these struggles. And I think that that's necessary because if not, right, you're giving to future players this idea that um, they have to do this in this specific way where there is no emotion, there is no humanity, there is no real life integrated into this. Um, and I think when you're going into a profession like that, where the public eye is on you and your job, it's just like your whole life kind of is your job. It's like, it's huge. And so I think that, that no, I don't want to say balance just because I don't, I don't really like that word, <laughs> but just that, that sort of um, duality of, you know, hey, we have a person that's a human and they're a football player. Um, it is really important to highlight um, for everyone watching and for the people who are aspiring to be you. Um, and then his name is Skip Bayless. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, from, from what I've heard, I just feel like he is part of the problem, right? Part of the reason why people won't speak up, part of the reason why people won't um, be open and vulnerable and, and say what's really going on because of people like him who will say, you know, this is a specific profession, we don't do this here. Um, and I think that that's problematic because it, it doesn't give room for real life. And, you know, when someone is, especially, I mean, Dak lost his brother. I think he was saying he lost his mom as well. Do you guys know? Yeah, he actually, life, yeah. yeah, previous in his life. His mom, I think, died of cancer, I believe, like right before he uh, got drafted. His brother committed suicide during COVID, I want to say. At the so, beginning. Yeah, beginning of COVID. So, yeah. I mean, that's so insanely hard. And when you're talking about people who have dealt with loss and real human life loss and still are under the public spotlight and still showing up each and every day, I think he has total right to talk about what he wants to talk about and to share that. Um, and I think that should be praised and appreciated, not you know, told, you know, 
you're not actually, you're, this is, there's no compassion. I don't feel anything for you. Um, that's just unnecessary. And if you feel that way, you shouldn't go on and publicly talk about that. I think, I think that's really, I don't know. I just think that's kind of gross to be like, you know, I don't have any compassion for you. Um, too bad you lost your brother and your mother and um, we're in a global pandemic, too bad. Um, I just think that's what real, I think real leadership is what Dak did, not what um, Skip is describing. It's so funny you said that because that is literally, Dak responded at the very next day. He said, I wouldn't be a real leader if I didn't like express it. So I find that so funny that you said that. Funny in a like way, in a coincidental Ironic, way. yeah. Yeah. Um, Warner, what are your thoughts on like those things? Yeah, um, it it's it was a really really rough period um, for Dak Prescott, leaving two of his closest family members in what a four year, three and a half, four year stretch, um, while being in the midst of a COVID pandemic. Um, and and you know, I, I really like that part that you touched on with the leadership. Um, it's it's really I think important for people who are you know subordinates in a chain a chain of command. Um, to know that whoever's leading them and whoever's in charge is one of them is, um, you know, they may have more experience or they may be slightly better um, or they may, may be smarter than, than you. And that's why you're listening to them, but they're still human and they still go through the uh, same things like that you do. You might break their leg, they can break their leg. If you can, um, you know, scrape your elbow, you scrape your elbow. If one of your family members die, then one of their family members has undoubtedly died uh, as well. Um, and, and so I think there, no human is necessarily set apart by something that we can and cannot control. Um, and, and death is unfortunately something that we can't control. And um, that made it all that more courageous, what Dak Prescott said, and all that more <laughs> hypocritic, what uh, Skip Bayless said yeah. um, the next day. Yeah, uh, we talked about this in our pre-interview meeting. Um, that like it, it's kind of weird. Like we just feel like not we. When I mean by we, like us normal people, us normal people, us just normal like people who aren't just, quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys, aren't quarterbacks for <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, or aren't people with five million followers on social media, or aren't people with two Billboard number one hit music song. Like, like it just feels like we kind of like look at them as. Maybe it's because of how they're treated. Of more. Like, like they're more, like, they can't go through the same stuff. Like, hey, you, you're, you're rich or you're wealthy or whatever. Um, you can't go through the same stuff we go through, where in reality, like, life, no matter how much you make, how many followers you have, your your platform that you use. So it's actually around why I really like the PBS News Arsenal reporting labs, because, like, to, like, the smallest degree, I kind of, like, my voice can be amplified a little bit, which is also the point of this show. Um, yeah, it just feels like that what they said, they, they don't go through the same things as we do. I think like that's kind of general consensus and it's wrong, obviously, um, based off of that. So. Yeah, and you know what it reminds me of? It It honestly reminds me of, of racism, just in general, of, of white people thinking we're better than you because you're a darker skin color than us, or you have um, narrower eyes than us, so we're obviously smarter and um, more physically astute or whatever. And, and I think it's, it's the same thing. It's just molding into a new form very, very slowly um, over these centuries that we've gone through. Um, oh, well, you have more money than me. Therefore, you're a better person than me. If I was in your situation, um, then you know, there's no way I would be sad because I have all this stuff 
and all this money and all these material things. But in the end, it's, it's human to human. It's human to human uh, love and relationship that's, that's ultimately going to get us through our lives, not necessarily the material things or how many touchdowns you throw or how many people listen to your, your podcast or watch your show. Listen um, to sports headlines. <laughs> but all seriousness, like if you've wondered, not, not just not you, Malik, but like people in general, I say we're the most authentic place of sports. Um, like that's actually something we just randomly came up with. We were interviewed by stadium scene, TV shots of them. And like, they're like, if you were to describe, I think it's like if you were to describe your show in like one phrase or whatever, what would it be? And I said that because if Skip says that on national TV and either way, it's a, it's a lose-lose. Like either he says that, he believes it, and he's just a not going to cuss word, cuss word, cuss word, or they, or it was a script, they want Fox want him to say that, and I hate Fox even more because of it. So either way, it's a lose-lose, whereas like, we're almost authentic place of sports. And if I say something, there should be no, or the, the hope is there's no doubt in your mind. Like, hmm, does Sean really say that? Does Sean really, but he doesn't believe that, right? If I say something, I believe it. If Warner says something, he believes it. If Warren says it. Unless I'm playing devil's advocate, I will mention that because that has come up in our shows before. No, no, shut up. But yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd uh, point that out. And while we're talking about like athletes and celebrities, how important do you think they were in like the social justice movement that went on. I, I hate the word movement because we're acting like it hasn't been going on forever, but like specifically like this summer with the stuff that happened with Jacob Lake, George Floyd, for example, and even like NBA players, they canceled freaking games for crying out loud. Was it effective? No, but yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? No, yeah, I mean, I've also struggled to figure out what, how do I describe that moment of like what happened over the summer and, and what's continued, right? A lot of protests are still happening so it's it's just hard to I don't know it's been hard to come up with a name because I'm just like this has also been happening like it's not like <laughs> brand new um yeah but, but yeah I think what sports does because I really you know see sports as a I'm really it's so funny I'm not a huge sports person but at the same time I see it as a part of our culture and I think that in the same way that you know influencers not in air quotes here because <laughs> I know that word's changing but creators maybe not posting or um, youtubers taking uh, time off or whatever it might be um, in the same vein of that sports you know saying you know we're going to take time off and we're not going to do this right now I think gives a a nod to how important this, this is, or this was, or, and still is, it's so hard to describe this, but yeah, I think that it, it gives, it just, it's acknowledgement, right, that this is important, that this matters, and I think that anyone doing that, but especially the sports teams, because of how in, intertwined they are in culture, I think it's huge, um, yeah. Especially during the COVID pandemic, when all people really had was the NBA yeah. games, um, I love it. Really go out with with friends or anybody. They, that's where all their attention went. That and um, shows. So, yeah, like when the pandemic first started, there was no sports, no nothing. It felt like everything was shut down. And then the NBA and baseball said, "Hey, we're gonna come back." So I felt like like everybody was just glued to their TVs watching sports. Obviously, not you apparently, but um, but and then one of the players were like, "Hey, we're not gonna play." Now it's like, everybody, you have to pay attention to this. 
um, or just cut it off. And that kind of leads me to a little off topic question, not really related to mental health. But do you, I, I think this could be a real a solid conversation. Do you believe in like the trends and stuff? Like when like, do you, when you tweet, cause I initially did it and I'll explain why I don't do it anymore. But like when it's like hashtag just for Jacob Blake or hashtag Black Lives Matter, do you believe in that sort of stuff? In terms of it? Of like using it, like with every tweet, do you believe in that stuff? Yes and no. I mean, I, it, on Twitter, Twitter's a really interesting platform. I think it's a very big like conversation more so than just using the hashtags. I think you kind of have to like, either really say something or reply to something or like get involved in a conversation in order for it to take off. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the only way um, like, or that that just alone will work in terms of like blowing your tweet up. But are you saying that like, in terms of like the trends on the right side that whether or not they're real? No, like, do you believe in like using them? Oh, just but, using them? So like for example, for me, at first I started, to, I, I used them because I thought I was like, hey, you know, this could benefit the cause. And then like after, like for example, Breonna Taylor, right? That, okay, not Breonna Taylor because that lasted a pretty long time. Jacob Blake, for example, right? I'll be honest, it probably lasted a good week. And then afterward, like it wasn't trending or I was like, okay, um, so like a week just went by and okay, so now we're not using it anymore. And so and now it's almost like, uh, a pity thing like yeah yeah let me yeah oh my gosh this happened to Jacob Blake and let me support and a week later where are you now so I don't I, I'm not gonna really use this stuff anymore I'm not saying it's a bad thing but me personally I don't like that if you're gonna if it's gonna yeah yeah I don't really know how to explain it it's weird. you're just saying I think that they're like the fact that it can be a trend or fad and then when it's so important and then just be out is like, not okay yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's really true. I feel like it was so interesting, the Jacob Blake story, because I covered a little bit of that. And just like the first night um, that that had happened, there was this huge, like, protest in New York. I mean, it had to be like hundreds, if not more people, um, from what I saw on social media. And then all of a sudden, the next night I went out, because I didn't go the first night, I went out the second night. And there were like 30 people. And it was just like, <laughs> this is still important. Like, this is still an important story. Um, so it's just so weird how people are very invigorated the first night or when something new happens, like the Breonna Taylor um, case that when something new happens and, you know, they, the prosecutors don't want to charge the actual police officers for her death, then it's just like, you know, okay, everyone go out. But um, there's a, it was very, very weird how there's like a little bit of a, like, it can be a trendy thing to do in the moment. Um, yeah. But it, it's so much more than just like one of the protests I went to for Breonna Taylor to cover, um, you know, they were just saying like, it shouldn't take this to get 2,000, 3,000 people in the streets. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're in New York City with like 8 million people or something it's like, like that. <laughs> it's when you really think about it, that is such a small number out of, out of how many people are in New York City and New yeah. Jersey and Long Island who could, you know, come. So it's, it's very interesting. And I think that the trend thing is something, especially when there was like the Blackout Tuesday and the hashtags, um, it, do that. It, I think it it rings. I don't think it rings true for everyone that people believe in it unless it's continued 
belief or continued showing you believe in the cause versus just a post or something in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to draw this to two things that are pretty recent. Um, first, I know that that Black Lives Matter uh, protests were using the hashtag Black Lives Matter BLM um, for to like spread information um, through jobs of the NBA wanted to on the courts. And um, if if people just use like like oh uh, just ate a great sandwich from Panera's hashtag BLM like oh I support it but you're really hurting you're really you're really Stuff hurting like that uh, was happening like oh you're really yeah um you're really hurting the information that people need to know where to go when to go and um you know what to do if something happens or what's happening right now you know oh they're tear gassing over here we're gonna change locations to go here um and and then I know with it kind of seeming like a passing trend lasting a week, maybe two weeks if, if we're lucky. Yeah, um, like, sorry to cut you off. Brianna Taylor, that's why I didn't use her as an example because that lasted, I feel, yeah. probably the longest. Like Jacob Blake, I promise you, which is why I love the NBA, but I criticize them for like the, uh, for the players boycotting a game or like a day and then going back immediately because that's, I feel, part of the reason why uh, the, the trend, if you will, stopped. Because you know they 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 could focus their attention. Viewers could focus their attention back on basketball uh, compared to focusing on Jacob Blake. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of why I kind of oppose their decision. Well, go ahead, Warner. Continue. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, the the second reference I wanted to was was reference to the NRA, the National Rifle Association. They barely have any members. Um, I I don't know exactly what the number is, but I'm pretty sure um, that. I know Planet Fitness members outnumber the members of the NRA, and um, I think it's by about 2,000 um, or 2 million members. I think it's like 5 million to 3 million or something like that. And um, there's, it's, it's interesting because we, we if, if everybody who went to Planet Fitness would, would lobby and, and call their senators on a daily basis and show up, then there would be a lot of things, you know, whether it's gun reform you stand for or, or any other measures, um, would be happening, but I think the overwhelming majority, I think about 80% of people, for example, support gun reform um, in America. Um, and with all of that, I think that it's it's important for every single person of that 83% to lobby and to, to raise awareness for that, but in an actual sincere way to the people who we elect to change this. Like we, we elect these people because we think they model our beliefs and we think they would be the best people to sort of be in charge of the country, the place we live. Um, and I, I think that's big because sure, you may have you know 15 million people post hashtag BLM on social media, but it's only for a week. And then once that starts to die down, you hear the, uh, the minority in some sort of an inform- uh, uh, in some sort of a um, certain side kind of rise up like, hey, we're still here. We still care. These other people don't really care. So you should side with us because we're the only ones telling you and advising you like, hey, we would love it. We would reelect you if you did this. And so it, it just, it kind of flips the sides. Yeah. So I just wanted to draw attention to that and, and how participation in, in, our, in our system is so vitally important um, when we, if we want to get things done. Yeah. Um, how would you say, Malik, that no, racial justice in this crazy summer, now I'm kind of depressed, this crazy summer, uh, like, affected mental health, because I feel like a lot more, like, it, it could be depressing, as I just brought up, 
can make it like a little anxious because you're like wondering, okay, what's gonna happen next? Is something good gonna happen back then? I'm, I'm not gonna lie. The first night of protest in Cincinnati, because I guess for me personally, I haven't been like in like, for example, Trayvon Martin back in 2013, who even knows what year? Um, I was too young to like know what was happening and like what was happening in Cincinnati, which is where we live at. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, it feels like this year with, it maybe it's because of COVID, um, I'm forgetting Amar Aubrey. My gosh, um, Amar Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, who was that? Like, J- uh, Floyd. Dang, what's his first name? I feel like a bad person. Somebody. George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd. George Floyd, which felt like the breaking point. Um, which felt like the breaking point. And I'm not gonna lie to you. The first night of protest in Cincinnati, I was like anxious. I was. I had the news on my laptop. I was just watching it nonstop. I was like, okay. What's happening? Is something bad going to happen? So how do you think like that affected mental health? Yeah, it was, I mean, I think everyone had this moment of like every city just being on alert, right? Every major city at least. And I think that the amount of, the fact that it was happening in so many cities that it was a nationwide thing is what I think made it something for everyone, right? It's not like just one city was protesting. It was like every city. Um, And it was also just this moment of like, everyone like leaving their homes in a pandemic, right? It was like, like, yeah. And then I I think that for mental health, it was just like you said, a lot of people were glued to it and trying to understand the movement. I think when I was younger too, when Trayvon Martin happened, I didn't understand this movement a lot and I think there are ways in which I definitely understand it now having went through you know high school and a little bit of college too and so I feel like the amount of the amount of people that were involved the amount of sad scenes tear gas um, and that was something that everyone could relate to like journalists were even like openly talking about tear gas being like the one thing um, that was just the equalizer for everyone, right? That everyone was being, people were really being hurt. It was emotional trauma. It was physical trauma. It was um, watching, even as a journalism major, watching Omar Jimenez arrested, right? Like, yeah, I mean, like CNN, just, like in Atlanta, like they just threw like tear gas or whatever into the building or might have been. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people, and I wonder too, I think, you know, the mental health of police officers in this time, the mental health of people that might want to go into that profession, the mental health of people who might want to go into journalism and watching all of this, you know, it's, it's very, it's something. It's, it's really like hard to put a, put a finger on what people were dealing with. But I think just the fact that it was everywhere and that people, and that there was also this expectation for you to say something. I think, especially if you're on social media or something, I think that might've been hard for people because I don't think people knew exactly what to say, but felt pressure to say something. And then I think that there also might be the fact that people, um, I don't know, there was something that people didn't feel, I totally am blanking, but there, there's something else I think that, that people yeah. might've felt because of just, it was, it was happening so fast. Um, and then also figuring out if it's safe to protest, if you feel safe to go out, if you feel, you know, how you might feel just because of the pandemic. And it was just issues on top of issues on top of issues. 
um, and everything feeling so important is what I think also makes people very exhausted very fast. Um, the fact that you have everywhere you go on social, on every brand, every news outlet is talking about this and it's on top of everything else and it all feels so important. Um, and so I think that could also be very draining for people mentally um, when your brain's like alert, 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 but um, it's nonstop. All right, so we're gonna go into uh, part three of this episode, very important episode with, Mal with Malik Mercier um, from Brooklyn, Brooklyn, I forget who sang that song. <laughs> um, so when we get back, we'll finish wrapping up. We'll ask like, what's what's most important, and how uh, we can spread the message about mental health and all that plus more. You're listening to Sports Headlines podcast. Wait, crap! I did not want to be up at the pause the recording. We can. All right, welcome back to part three. Maybe trying to sort it. Who knows? Just keeping track of. Today's episode with uh, Malik Mercier, Matt, Mer Matt blah, Malik Mercier. Um, so yeah, let's just Good. let's just continue the conversation that we were previously having. Um, what do you think is like the most important thing to understand about mental health, and how do you think is how do you think we, like me and one of the show and other people, can um, uh, address and raise awareness? I guess is the right wording to mental health, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the most important thing to understand is that even if you don't have a mental illness, um, everyone has mental health. And so, you know, they say that like one in five people have it, um, have mental illness, but, you know, I think people forget that everyone has mental health, just like you have physical health. And so there is no, it, it impacts everyone. And I think the the, the, another important thing to understand is just that it, when you're in it, it's really, really hard. And so it's, it can be really hard for someone to want to get help or to get help or to even see a way out of it. But I think for anyone that's struggling, just know that there are ways for you to get better and to grow. And I think always just know that that possibility is there um, and believe in that because that can really help you knowing that something better is coming. And I think that for me, I've definitely grown in ways I couldn't imagine even faster than ways, that, faster than I ever thought I would um, after receiving help and after COVID started. And so um, I think that, you know, just that possibility is really important. And lastly, I guess I'll say that like, never, I, I think just have empathy for people and like know like be, I think the friend that you would want if you were struggling or the friend that you're able to go and talk to, like try to be, I guess, that person for people because not necessarily that you need to always be open to receiving an exhausting amount of information about someone's sadness or trauma or rant or whatever, but just, I think they're like, I definitely have a friend who like would be like, oh no, like, are you okay? Like OCD wise right now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that knowing that you can just be open to people who they, how they are, who they are and as they come versus being judgmental and all of that is really, I think important for people to understand, especially as we go into more of who knows what is coming next, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like 2020 just was like, 
you know, any, anything can happen. And so um, I think just be, try to be open with people and try to be, um, be you and human and um, embrace your humanity versus trying to hold it back or trying to suppress the things that are coming to surface. Yeah. Um, Warner, anything else to add before we get to our final segment? Um, no, um, I, I just, I just wanted to make one comment. Um, best of luck to both of you guys, um, in, in your, um, mental well-being in the future. And, um, also best of luck to myself. Same to you. <laughs> and same, same to all, th- all two. I was about to say all three, but I'm third. Um, Zoom boxes. Zoom box, Zoom box. <laughs> Um, okay, so I guess we could go to the last segment of today's episode, Flip the Table. Uh, we need, like, a flip the table, like, uh, like beatbox or something. That was yeah, terrible. I, I got you. I'm going to flip the table right now. Okay, he's flipping the table. Warner is – I don't know what table he just flipped. Okay, so basically, Malik, Flip the Table is a segment we've done with all of our interviews, except maybe our very first one because we didn't know – we didn't have it yet. Basically, Flip the Table is where uh, – we're, we're typically in the interviewers, so we flip it and have you be the interviewer. If you have any questions for us or anything you just want to talk about, now you can ask us and we can have a conversation on anything. That is very cool. I love that. Um, gosh, w- I I do have questions. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I, I am so bad at understanding sports. What What could you do to explain sports to someone who is like, who just doesn't understand like what it what what is it about sports that grabs you in and 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 just like just explain sports to me. <laughs> explain okay so, so like the getting to understand it part it's like for example if you were to ask me to watch a game with you i would confuse the crap out of you so i would say find somebody that that has like the smallest, most basic knowledge of what's going on. It's like find somebody who's more like a beginner and like watching it. And there's like buddy ride with them until I get into like, oh, okay, I get this. This is what touchdown is. And this is what that is and blah, blah, blah. Your other question, uh, the thing, I guess this was like- I got this excitement. one. Okay, Warner, you can go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, so um, what pulls me in, I've played sports since I was in preschool. I played soccer in preschool, started baseball in second grade and, um, Played some rec basketball in my life, and um, just really played football. Bad at it, but... my, yeah, I was really bad at it. Um, um, but I think the the thing that draws me in, I've always been really competitive, and um, somebody who's wanted to, you know, strive for for knowledge and getting better at whatever it is. Um, and for that, sports is a great way to, um, you know, get out the energy and and the the drive for becoming better at something and um that, that starts as uh, as a little kid and, and I think as I've grown older um and and my my sports mind has really matured into um you know I like seeing you know the exhilarating throws what a play what an athletic feat um but then at the same time it's well you see how he did this he had his shoulder in this way um etc cetera, etc cetera. and then at, at the end it's who, what team do you, has, has overcome the most challenges and gotten to this, this, you know, coveted place 
of the the NBA Finals or the World Series or the Super Bowl, um, and and how are they? How how did they do it? What what motivated them to do it? Um, how do they do it? Because you know the they weren't necessarily all the best at. You didn't just get the the twenty or the forty or the twenty five or or the thirty two or sorry, 53 best athletes in the world and just stuck them on one team. But what kind of did that to them? And I think sports symbolizes our own life of driving, getting better, um, you know, seeking that next step, whether it's a promotion or a new relationship or, um, you know, making making another friend, um, seeking that next step in your life and, and kind of the, uh, the adrenaline rush that you get when you're successful at something. One thing I want to add to that, I find often, like, if you get sports, at least for me anyway, if I'm, like, irritated or frustrated and we have a game, like, my anything that was, like, going on prior to then, it, it doesn't matter. As yep. soon as you walk into the gym, for me anyway, or for one on the football field, as soon as you walk, or the baseball field, baseball, baseball. as soon as you walk, <laughs> you didn't play football. Um, As soon as you walk into, for me, the gym, the baseball field for him, like anything that happened before you walked onto that field or court or in the gym or whatever, doesn't matter anymore. You're locked in. So that's what add that. I love that. That's so cool. I, I don't know. That, that actually honestly makes a lot of sense to me. Both of the ways you both described it. Um, just, yeah, it's, it's very weird how I think it seems like a different language to me, but at the same time, <laughs> I think it's, it, it's very, human in like just like understanding the ways everything works and watching the teams grow and um just being being in the moment as you do it that's really really cool um and then I guess one more question where how did you how did you both like meet and then how'd you both like decide to do this always get that question and unless one wants to answer I'll answer you can you can go ahead I'll add anything that you missed okay because he always answers this question um, so basically we went to the same school. Actually, we were on the same team in third grade for baseball, except the coach had like a eighteen and a PT. Like what the heck? Me, like we like I guess like the eighteen was like the I would be involved in. The A team <laughs> um, the A team was like significantly better, which is what he was on. He's better than me in baseball. One thing he is better than me. Um and I was on the B team. So we were technically on the same team, but we weren't on the same team. And then we will wind up having like the same teacher in class because we were in a Montessori school for fourth through sixth grade. And at this point, um, I was like almost obsessed with sports, which is kind of weird for me because when I was like five or six, I have like these vivid remembrance of my uncle want to cut on a football game. And I'll be like, no, can I have SpongeBob? I don't want to watch football. No. Um, and I used to hate football or sports in general with a passion. And by this point, like in fourth grade, I almost was obsessed with it. And then we would just start talking randomly in class or whatever. Don't tell our teachers here <laughs> <laughs> know about it. Um, and I think our first name was like sports talk or whatever. And then like, <laughs> I looked it up and it was copyrighted by NBC Sports, which I guess doesn't matter, but it does, I guess. I don't know. Um, when really you're fun. a fourth grader and you want to have a professional talk show about sports, you don't want to name it the same thing that our audience yeah. <laughs> So then, so then it was a couple years at that, after that, it was just, um, we were just talking randomly. I was like, hmm, okay, we want to talk about sports. We want to talk about like the latest news and headlines of sports. And it is not me sports headlines to be the name. And since probably about two years now, 
we started recording and stuff, but for the past year, hashtag thank you, COVID, um, <laughs> we, it's been a lot more serious. Don't use that hashtag, audience. Don't use it um, unless it's a joke, but make sure you make it very clear it is a joke. That's not funny for some people. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we met in fourth grade. Um, we spent the next three years in the same class, uh, same grade. There was only, I think, five or four or five guys in, in our grade in our class out of like the 13 or so fourth there's well six graders in the end um so we were a, we were a minority there it was what yeah yeah four once Orlando left it was four yeah um, and it was and, only there for fourth grade so I, I yeah yeah um and um so you know it was it was something that you know when you're in fourth grade you, you can't stand girls uh what, what are they doing you 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 are clean and you have combed hair but um so so we had to you know, we you know we had to what, stick together i put that in air quotes um and and so that that kind of developed we we uh, we would always push the limits with our teacher uh whether it's being on the computers on espn or um be doing baseball cards or football cards when we shouldn't have been when we should have been doing school work but eventually eventually our teacher we had, we had a really nice teacher uh she was really good um my <laughs> <laughs> um but that that kind of developed into he went to Hughes in seventh grade I went to Walnut but um we we you know lived pretty close to each other um and then as as we you know got school emails with um high school and middle school, I guess, uh, that just kept going. And we decided, hey, you know what? Why don't we um, just skip over puberty and make our own sports show? So if you go back on our channel, we, we have really, really high. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was posted in, what, October 2018 or something. And, man, it sounds like we're, like, oh living girls. If you ever watched <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks, do go watch that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh yeah, we've gone from there. That's amazing. That is a really cool story. I think, you know, the fact that you guys have done, been through so much, you've been on like this journey together. That's so cool. Um, and I definitely relate to the sneaking, not baseball cards or ESPN, but CNN and HLN and news and <laughs> all of that in class. I literally have a photo of a friend who took a Snapchat of me and I'm like secretly like the paper is here of the <laughs> class paper and my yeah. phone's like right here and I have like HLN on with <laughs> Robin Mead or something like <laughs> news anchors. Yeah, yes, um, yeah, that that question. Um, like, I, can you repeat the question? And then you, you gotta the take time to, to think about it. Yes, yeah, I just this is my answer. moment to hear that again. Yeah. <laughs> A second time? While I'm actually listening. <laughs> While I'm actually listening. Well, thank you, Malik, again for joining us. Um, how can people like reach out to you on social media and stuff like that? Thank you for having me. This has been so cool. I'm at Classy Malik on pretty much everything. Um, yeah, so would love to see you there. Um, I'm new on TikTok too. So if you want to go watch me embarrass myself with dances, but also do some news, you should very much go over there. Um, although many things stay in the drafts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the actually the embarrassing stuff stays in the draft, but the the things I can do okay are 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 yeah. up. They, they they are allowed for public consumption. Yeah. Right. Thank you guys for listening to the Sports Time Last podcast. That was that was Malik Mercier. Mercier, gosh.
You got it. You got it's it. Fresh, Sean. You gotta you gotta have the little accent work. You got it, like glossier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh I mean has multiple thousand followers on I know for sure Twitter and Instagram. I check those out myself. But um thank you for joining us, Malik Warner. Thank you as always. And you're listening to the Sports Headlines podcast. Uh be on the lookout for more great content from from Malik and ourselves. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.